Hi, everybody. This is Nancy Miller with My Creative Life, the podcast about creatives, how and why they make the art that they do. Today, my special guest is Amanda Bennett, who is a fiber artist, who, is, who was one of my classmates in my surface design class, and she's such an accomplished artist. She also has a background in architecture, which I find fascinating. And I do have to say, Amanda, the work that you've been showcasing on your Instagram is just so beautiful. And I think the word that I'm looking for is ethereal almost. I, I hope I use that word correctly, but that's the way it looks to me. It's very otherworldly and it's, it's gorgeous. So thank you for being here today. Well, thank you for having me, Nancy. It is a true pleasure to be here with you today. Well, I have to say like the people I met in the class, you of course were one of them, just really delightful. I mean, sincerely, just like, I don't know, very accomplished, um, very diverse backgrounds. And I just found very fascinating. It was a fabulous class. I completely agree with you. It was a really amazing group of really talented people from so many different backgrounds. And I always find that so fascinating about SCAD classes. It really kind of influences everything you do, and it's very inspiring. Well, thank you for being here. And I wanted to get a little bit more of the story behind your creative journey. And like, what inspired you to go down that path of becoming an artist? And a multidisciplinary one at that. Well, we're going to have to go back in time quite a bit. <laughs> um, you know, I was definitely one of those artsy kids. Um, my mom always talks about how I used to take a little canvas tote bag around with me with my art supplies and my coloring books everywhere we went. Um and she told me a number of years ago, too, about a story that I didn't know, um, which was that when I was in preschool, uh, one day she came to pick me up from, from school, and one of the teachers kind of pulled her aside and said, you know, go, go take a look at what Amanda drew today or what Amanda created today. You know, you might, you might want to put her in some art classes. Like, she really seems to, to, to enjoy what she's doing. And so... You know, I have to really thank my parents for for listening to that teacher and and for finding a way to to put me into art classes when I was very young. Um, you know, and so I so I took weekly art classes, and you know, my mom found a summer arts camp that I went to every summer where we would get to learn printmaking and pottery and basket basket making. Um, you know, and she would do um, little crafty projects with my sister and I and you know, take us to the library for free art classes. So while I didn't grow up, you know, around artists as parents, they really nurtured that creative side of me and saw how much, you know, it lit me up. And so, you know, it started at a very young age. And then I just kind of continued taking every art class that was available once I was in school and junior high and high school. And um, in high school, I also had a chance to take photography, um, you know, back in the Lightroom days, pre-digital <laughs> camera. So, you know, so I always um, gravitated towards any kind of creative class or creative opportunity. And my parents really nurtured that side of me. So I think it's been in me since, since the beginning. Wow. Well, then how did you narrow it down to architecture? Because I know in conversation, you told me your bachelor's was in architecture. Mm -hmm. And I was curious about how, you know, because there's so many different art things that you could do um, and what led you to that 
Absolutely. That's a, that's a great question. Um, in high school, um, my senior year, I was really interested in either graphic design or architecture. Those are the two that I had <laughs> narrowed it down to, um, two areas that I was very interested in. Um, you know, I always used to love to look at house magazines and, and look at plans. And I also love to draw straight lines. I once had an art teacher suggest architecture because my lines were so straight. Um, and so those are two areas I was interested in. And so I knew that I wanted to go to a design school to study architecture. I was pretty sure that I did in high school. And so, um, you know, I had to make a choice between those two. Um, and so I made the decision um, to study architecture, you know, and I started that route knowing that I could change my mind, um, but I never did. Oh, that's wonderful. And then um, for those who are listening, we met in a fibers um, surface design class, which was a digital based class. And you are studying that for your graduate school um, studies. And I was wondering, like, but I can see where that influence I do feel like I can see where the structural mm -hmm. um, feel from architecture and those line works because you were so meticulous and crafted. And I loved your experimentation. Like, I was like, Oh, she's doing stuff that I want to try. And it's just <laughs> like on the projects that we were doing so I was like what led you from architecture to fibers like what got you all excited about that well I think um probably the best place to pick up is is back yeah. in architecture school so we're going to go back in time a little bit um so I studied architecture at at SCAD here in Savannah and during my senior year of architecture studies I decided to take an intro to fibers class. Um, I don't recall how I found out about the fibers program, but once I did, I was completely intrigued by it, as most people are, and I decided to take this introductory course. And so my roommate and I signed up to take this class together. She was also an architecture student, wow. and we just had so much fun, and we we loved it. You know, we got to play with color, we got to play with fibers and printmaking and dyes, and had such a great time. And it ended up being so influential that it actually kind of affected my my senior project for my architecture program. And so, you know, I never forgot that experience. Obviously, it was my senior year. I wasn't yeah. going to be changing majors at that point. Oh, yeah. um, and so that was kind of my, my introductory to, to fibers, aside from my basket making when I was young. And so I then went off <laughs> after graduating from architecture school. I actually did um, a graduate degree. Um, an MA in housing and urbanism um, at the Architectural Association. And then I moved to New York and I worked mm -hmm. in New York for almost 20 years. Mm -hmm. And while I was in New York, um, of course, I'm in the center of the world, um, you know, where there are so many art schools and so many art classes. And so um, while I wasn't exactly working in a creative um, field at that time, I always tried to take art classes. And that included taking some weaving classes at FIT and at the Textile Arts Center. Oh, cool. And it kind of re-energized me and kind of reminded me of how much fun I had had when I was taking the Intro to Fibers class. And I felt like when I was in that room of weavers and looms, it just felt so comfortable. 
you know, it felt like home. Um, there was something very intuitive about it. The rhythm just felt right. Um, and so ultimately, um, you know, I made this decision to um, continue my studies <laughs> a little bit later in life and, and come back to the, to the wonderful world of fibers. Well, that's wonderful. Well, I'm glad you did because I get to got to meet you and so many wonderful people in that class. And I I just was like, just inspired because you guys would like it for me, it was really exciting when you guys did your presentations. I'd be like, Oh, that's something that I never thought about. It really does inflow inform. If you're from another, um, you know, discipline, and you see that you get really inspired because you're like, Oh, like the way that people look at things in different majors and what they're interested in. I was like, oh, I really should pay a little bit more attention to like, you know, when I do an illustration for an environment or architecture, there's some beauty in that, that um, sometimes when you are in another discipline, you don't really pay as much attention. But when you meet other people who are, who love it and are inspired by it, it gets you excited. Absolutely. And I feel too, like coming back to graduate school a little later in life, you know, after I've had quite a bit of professional experience and life experience, right? It's not just having that professional experience. It's the travel and the living and, you know, just seeing and experiencing things. They all influence my work. Um, You know, not all at once. They kind of come in when it's the right moment. But I definitely think that it has like a profound impact on, on my work. Yeah, and I have to agree with you. I almost would have considered changing my major. Not to say I don't love illustration, but there's something about <laughs> fibers. It's just a lot of fun. Fibers fun equals fun. I don't know. It's just it's it's kind of one of those very relaxing. Any times I've done things that have been fibers related, um, it, it's kind of relaxing and it is fun. It is. It has a rhythm to it, and I feel also a, a kind of a meditative rhythm at certain times. And I also think that the people that tend to be involved in fibers, teaching fibers in the program are all so kind and warm. It's just a really, um, I've said nurturing a number of times, but it's a really nurturing environment. um, And I really enjoy being in it. Mm -hmm. They're very accepting and just very uh, welcoming. And I don't know if it's because it's it's a smaller program. So they're just Mm -hmm. like happy to have anybody, you know, we're happy to have you. So I love that about that. And I I love that it was very, I felt like everybody kind of knew each other, which I think is not always the case in other majors, just because of volume, like uh, illustration has, um, think I was told like 1400 over 1400 students hard to meet 1400 people even the course of graduate studies but I think of fibers don't you get to know um pretty much everybody in your cohort oh absolutely I mean we are a we are a very intimate (laughs) cohort for my year we we are five (laughs) so um in in the MFA program um we we do have MA students as well um and so it's very small and very close-knit um and that's a really lovely environment because you get to know each other really well. Um, you know, you, it really provides an opportunity to give um, feedback and critical feedback um, to one another. Um, and I and I love that about about SCAD and about that program. You know that it is so small and close knit. And then I've been admiring that new work that I mentioned earlier that you've been posting. Can you talk a little bit uh, about just an overview of like 
because it is very beautiful. And I just, um, I don't have the anywhere near the technical or expertise, but could you kind of explain how you're making it or what inspired to go down that path? Because it's beautiful, organic um, pieces that I've seen. Sure. Um, well, so as I, as I had mentioned back in New York, I was taking weaving classes. And so you know, I originally thought when I came back to graduate school, I envisioned that I was probably going to focus on weaving during the program. Um, and that was until I discovered the fascinating world of biomaterials <laughs> and bioplastics last year. Um, and that's led me down this really kind of interesting path where I'm melding like a bit of chemistry with sculpture and textile processes like weaving and embroidery. Um, so maybe for the listeners that aren't so familiar yeah. with the term biomaterials, yeah, um, since I didn't know what it was a year ago, um, think of materials that are derived from things like plants or animals or bacteria, fungi, things of that nature. So um, for me, that's kind of working with al extracts of algae or gelatin, but that could be things like silk right? That come, you know, that comes from a silkworm. It could be horse fibers. You know, I'm kind of thinking of fibery things for textiles, but, you know, it can be any, anything that comes from those types of organisms, from the plants and the animals and the bacteria. And so my work, as I'd mentioned, uses agar-agar, um, agar, which is an extract from algae um, or gelatin, and that is combined with water and glycerin and that kind of creates my we'll call it my working material um so i'm creating my own material to work with i'm not working with like an existing fabric okay. um and then i incorporate natural dyes and um, i've started incorporating plant matter into some of my work um and one of the interesting things I've learned with the natural dyes, which most people who work with natural dyes would already know, is that, you know, there's an ephemeral quality to natural dyes. So some dyes are more color fast than others. And so, you know, I've learned in some of my work that, you know, the color might be bright and bold and red one day and you know a few months later it might be a completely different color um so a lot so my work is very experimental in in many different ways um and i explore form and pattern um and color and texture within my work it's very right now it's pretty small scale um i've been exploring the form of the vessel in a lot of my work um Visually, I would say, like, if you're thinking of my work, people often kind of think of glass. Mm -hmm. um, so think vessels, vases. Um, it has, it plays with um, translucency and natural light. So adding light to my work kind of really makes it come to life. Um, I'm also recently starting to, to see if I can figure out a way to incorporate digital technology into my work in a way that still keeps it very handmade, but that maybe um, provi provides me different opportunities um, that doing something completely handmade doesn't allow. Um, so that's a, a little bit about, you know, kind of the basics of, of the, the elements that I work with. Wow, amazing. I mean, it, how many iterations, I mean, because of the experimentation to get it to where you have even a small scale, I mean, 
can you tell me like how long did that take you to get to that point where the the uh, final result that I'm seeing like on your Instagram how many because I always wonder about like how many times did it you know things didn't work out or when you had those moments where it did work out like mm-hmm. how many times did it take to get there um I would say that it takes quite a bit and I would say that it still does mm-hmm. um and I can't you know and I continually say that like just because I've made something you know I've made a vessel 10 times <laughs> doesn't mean that the 11th time it's not going to rip, you know, or it's mm-hmm. not going to mold or it's not, you know, there, there's, because it's, you know, it's not exactly alive, but because it's natural materials, mm-hmm. things can happen because it's, it's because I'm using kind of chemistry and, you know, I'm working with, you know, the ambient temperature of my apartment um, and, you know, and I don't, I don't work in a lab, so I don't have, you know, strict control over my temperature, you know, things just change, like nothing, even following the same recipe doesn't exactly give me the same result every time. And so it's a continual experimental process, which can be frustrating, but I actually really love it. <laughs> you know, if something, if something doesn't work, you know, it's like, Ooh, okay, why didn't that work? And then it kind of spurs me to try try again and see if I can make it work. But, you know, but to answer your question, it certainly, it certainly has taken some time to get to the point where I'm producing what I'm producing, but it is um, an ongoing experiment. Well, the results are lovely. And I just really did think it was almost very much like glass. I was like, how is she doing that? And it was like, wow. But um, my next question is like, from this, like, because you have your thesis that you're working on. So I was kind of curious, like, what was kind of the, I guess the, I don't know, like, I'm I'm trying to think, how do I phrase this? Um, What was kind of your overall, like, from this experimentation that you're hoping to achieve um, that, because we kind of talked a little bit about it, that, and it kind of ties in with your uh, thesis? Well, I think that, like, in taking this work and my kind of explorations over the past year, you know, I'm in the process of formulating my, my thesis statement and my, (laughs) my proposal. Um, But what I'm, what I'm trying to explore through this work is, you know, I have a few questions that I've kind of formulated that, that I'm kind of centering my thesis on. And um, one of them is, is looking at like how we can reimagine our approach to material making in a more ecologically, environmentally responsible way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second question kind of um, spurning from that is, can, can biomaterials, can bioplastics act as a conduit for, for storytelling that mm-hmm. reconnects us to nature, that reconnects us to our local environment um, and that leads to a healthier kind of material future for us. Um, you know, and I think that kind of ties back to, you know, this idea that, you know, most of us are surrounded by our natural environment, right? But but it kind of becomes invisible, right? Because we have so many distractions around us. We don't really necessarily notice the birds singing and the, you know, the the complexities and efficiencies of nature. You know, there's so many things that are distracting us from from nature and from the materials that we put on our bodies and that we surround ourselves with. And, and I'm trying to find a way to kind of 
provoke attention, to get us to pause, to slow down. And I'm, and, and I'm looking at, can we use these natural materials um, as a way to reconnect people to nature? Can I do it in a way that's beautiful and that's ephemeral and kind of that uses those qualities and processes of nature to kind of like grab people's attention, to say kind of like, hey, pay attention. We have this amazing natural environment right around us. Um, there's a lot to learn from it. We should respect it. We should take care of it. You know, we should think a bit more sensitively about the materials that we use. That's wonderful. Well, I can't wait to see your final body of work from this exploration because it's all very exciting. And it's just, it's such a different approach than, you know, because I'm such a kind of, you know, more of a 2D, a little bit of dimensional, but this is so it's so lovely and it's so, I love the the fact that it, it doesn't last forever. I feel like there is a preciousness to something that it makes it kind of special in a way because we're so used to like, you know, plastics lasting or whatever the, you know, the man-made stuff that's lasting, you know, forever in some, whatever, in a, in a dump or something somewhere. And here's something that is truly beautiful that is ecological and, um, and it, it's it, it's fine art to me, I, I think, when I look at it. So thank yeah. you for sharing it. Thank you. So with all of the things that are going on in your life, <laughs> with <laughs> your graduate studies, and I also know that you work too, um, doing research. So I was curious, like, how do you manage um, any tips? Or work <laughs> balance, or is it just because you? Well, I can I think, tell you're her worker. I know I have to. I have to. I have to kind of chuckle at that question because I don't do a particularly good job at balancing um, work and life. Uh, I think that um, you know. I think that coming into graduate school and knowing you know that I would be doing this as a full time student, that I kind of accepted that I wasn't going to have much of a life outside of school. But but to your to your point of like, how do I manage? the full load of classes and, and part-time work, you know, I think that is a lot of my project management skills. I mean, that's mm -hmm. a lot of what I did when I was in New York, um, was managing projects, construction wow. projects, design projects, and I'm a very organized person. And so, you know, like a lot of people tend to say, the more you have on your plate, sometimes the more organized you are. And I think that that is true for me. And so, you know, I have, have my calendar and I <laughs> block out, you know, I make my lists and I block out time on my calendar for all of the things I need to do. And, um, you know, it doesn't mean I have to strictly follow that, you know, things can move around, but at least it's a visual way of reminding myself of, of the things I need to do. And sometimes that is, you know, putting in a block of time to just rest or take a walk. Um, and then I think that getting outside, you know, I try, that is the beauty of living kind of in downtown Savannah is that it's very walkable. And so, you know, I try to get outside and walk the most, you know, as much as I can. I think that's also part of being a New Yorker for so long. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, just getting out into this kind of beautiful, inspiring environment. Um, it's a great way if I'm feeling really overwhelmed to kind of get recentered, um, you know, to kind of find that balance again. Great. Oh, and this is a side question. Do you miss New York? I mean, because the time that you <laughs> spent away from it, because it's such a different environment. And I'll be honest, I've only visited New York 
once for like a tr- two week trip, but it's such a different environment than um, Savannah. So it, it is, you know, I, I do, I, you know, of course I, I miss the people in New York a lot, um, it was 17 years of my life. So, and my entire professional career. Um, so I certainly miss that. I miss, you know, the exposure to the arts that you have in New York. Um, but I don't really miss living there, you know, at, at this point in time, you know, I really love being in Savannah. I love being in an environment that kind of allows me to slow down, to slow down and notice things. You know, I think, you know, it's, it's a lot more difficult to do in a city like New York. There's just an ongoing sense of energy 24-7 in New York that's hard to hard to ignore. So, but I'm sure I will be back at some point in time. It's in my blood. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was wondering if you could go back in time to your younger self before you like started this um your art um journey, what would be a bit of advice you'd give? Well, I think, I think I'd, I have a few pieces of advice. I think one is that I would tell myself to, to always follow the spark, you know, mm-hmm. like never let yourself wander too far from what lights you up, you know, what sparks your curiosity, you know, it's, it's, it's happening for a reason and don't ignore it. Um, I think I would, I would tell myself, you know, trust yourself, you know, trust your vision. (laughs) You have something valuable to contribute to the world. I I think it's easy when you're a young artist, not, not to believe in yourself, you know, to have a lot of self-doubt. I would say always make time to play. Um, Forget the rules, Uh, lose the instructions. That's one that's a little (laughs) hard for me, but um, you know, it's good sometimes. I think that's happened a little bit with me with the bioplastics, you know, I didn't really know what I'm doing and it kind of allows you to really truly experiment and learn. And then I think I would tell myself, don't be scared of technology. <laughs> as, you know, as someone who's grown up working by hand and, and that's what I gravitate to, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I feel like throughout life, I've kind of pushed technology away. And I think that it does offer a lot of opportunities um, to to expand the handmade um, in a way that doesn't look mass produced. So I think that would those would be a few pieces of advice I would give myself if I could go back in time. All great advice. And then this is a new question that I didn't originally send you, but I've kind of added this in my conversations with people about um, being grateful or gr- having gratitude in your art career. Is there anyone or anything that you feel like gratitude or grateful for that you had that experience or you met that person? Oh, gosh. Um, Too many to name. I mean, I think that, you know, first, you know, as I mentioned at the beginning is gratitude for my parents, you know, gratitude for them in listening, listening to the teacher, listening, you know, to me. And really kind of encouraging that artistic side of me. Um, You know, I've had some incredible art teachers um, over the years that have really pushed me. Um, You know, I tend to be tend to be on the quieter, more introverted side. And, you know, sometimes it means you get a little bit lost in the crowd. And, you know, I feel that I've been really fortunate along the way to have 
um, teachers, professors that have really kind of seen um, my visual voice, <laughs> you know, and have really kind of in, encouraged that to, to come out um, and have helped kind of build that um, strength in myself um, to believe in, in my vision. Um, you know, and then even, even moving to New York and following sort of a non-creative path, I was always very fortunate in, in my couple of jobs that I had there to have bosses and, and, you know, um, you know, my, the other employees that really supported my artistic side, they all knew that I was creative, you know, it somehow come out in something I was doing and work and they all really nurtured that. So I feel really grateful for all of the opportunities I've had and for, for so many people in my life, and I'm sure many to come. Wonderful. Well, since this is a podcast and um, people can't see uh, your work, where can they go to find it online? Um, they can go to Instagram. Um, they can find me at Amanda underscore H underscore Bennett, and that's B-E-N-N-E-T-T. And so you can see, you know, my current work there and biomaterials. You can see some of my earlier work in weaving. And then I just recently added a link to a website. I'm an in-progress website that I've been putting together. So you can see a little more of the work there in larger scale. Oh, wonderful. Oh, are, do you have process on that website? Some of the things that you, I just out of curiosity. Um, it it primarily has the finished pieces. Oh, okay. It does have some of my ink drawings that were <laughs> studies for some of the, some of the works. Um, but I'm planning to hopefully put some process work on there in the future. Well, that's very exciting. Well, thank you, Amanda, so much for your time. I'm so glad that we got to have this chat. And everybody, thank you for listening to My Creative Life. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much.